our hearts and the desire of our soul and the longing of this community that we would be people who say we believe and Lord that your residence within our souls would transform our thoughts and our minds and our hearts to find our joy, pleasure, satisfaction and our all and purpose in Christ Jesus our Lord for we pray in Jesus name Amen and amen. Please have a seat. So grateful that you're here. So grateful that you're here. Welcome to the Recovery House of Worship. We are starting a brand new series called How's About Jesus for a Change? And so uh, the purpose of the series is that in the beginning of the year, we find, many of us do, that change is something that we're really thinking about. We call it resolution. We say things like, I resolve to, and then we have a bunch of things that we resolve to. And, you know, it usually has a lot to do with gyms and weight and cake and ice cream and cigarette smoke, if that's your deal. And, you know, it has a lot to do with these sorts of things, you know, that we're going to change. But what we're saying in this series is that change goes deeper and change is more profound than that, and change is more revolutionary than that, and that God wants to do something much deeper than just the number on your scale or, or the amount of nicotine you allow into your lungs. God wants to do something more profound and more beautiful than even that. And so I'm grateful that you're here, but the problem with this concept of change is A, nobody likes to do it unless they're clothes are on fire, right? And secondly, we don't know how. Here's how I know. The reason I know that we don't know how is firstly, I know in my own life, I don't know how. I, 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 make, I, make, I, I make all sorts of changes that I, I don't follow through in all the time. Are you like me? Is there anyone else here? And then, okay. And the second reason I know is because you'd have changed by now. If change was easy and you knew how to do it, you'd have done it by now. There are things in your life right now that you wish you would change. Am I lying? No, it's the human condition, right? It's like every one of us, pretty, ugly, skinny, fat, uh, uh, unhealthy, healthy. There are things in your life presently, in this moment, that you don't like, that you wish you could get over, that you simply don't. There's the a uh, uh, bitter heart that you have towards that family member that you haven't talked about, that the only time you think about is during funerals. There's, there's the, not only the bitterness and the unforgiveness that you have with others that needs to be changed, there's that uh, rageful attitude that creeps up out of you when you least expect it. There's the pride, the negative pride that you walk around with, that you struggle with. There's the diminishing faith in Christ. There's all sorts of things that we'd love to change. And you and I struggle with these things, and we wish we could do better, but we say, you know what, I'm just going to try harder, I'm going to turn over a new leaf, or I'm going to do better, or whatever it is we tell ourselves, but change never really does take place. And so in this series, what we want to do is we want to go deeper than the surface, we want to go deeper than just the things that we see. We want to go deeper than the cigarette or the Weight Watchers or the gym membership. We're going to go deeper than that. That's not the kind of change we're going to be talking about. By the way, if you want to change those things this year, I'm all for you. 
I'm all for you, I, but that's not what we're going to be talking about. We're going to talk about the root of change and changing at a more profound level. So you're going to want to show up to this series. You're going to want to show up to this series because here's, here's what I know about you. You're going to want to show up to this series because when I say change, there are people right now in your life that love you that when I say change, they don't think of what you're thinking about, about you changing. They have an old, whole other set of lists that they would love to see in your life changed. Things that they're begging God, that if they knew you were at a service and talking about change, that they would be like, oh God, could you please help him with? In fact, some of you are married to the person who's praying like that right now. You're going, oh God, please change the person. And, and listen, lest you think that it's only your wife that's praying for you. Wives, I assure you, your husbands are praying just as fervently as you are. And here's what they're saying. They're saying, oh man, don't let this series go over their head or make them think it's that superficial, silly little thing that they think that they have to change when everything else seems to be falling apart. Because the fact is, is that you and I, we're all in the same boat. I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about us. That you and I are in desperate need of change. A Holy Spirit-filled, Christ-honoring, God-glorifying change. And if you don't get this, what I promise you is, is that when you finally figure it out, if you don't get this now, when you finally figure it out, it will be too late. You will already have broken the hearts of those you loved. You will have already done the damage to your body. You will have already alienated your relationships. You will have already done the destruction. I'm begging you that you get this message now. Because I have a suspicion that if the Lord dragged you here from wherever he dragged you from, if the Lord got you here, I suspect that there's something in his heart that's desiring for you to change. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at one of the most famous men on earth. We're going to look at the words that he penned, and we're going to see how God transformed. Well, we're not going to see all this today. We're going to see this throughout the series how God transformed him and how he suggests then that you allow God to transform you. He's talking from experience. It's the Apostle Paul. Anybody here has ever heard of the Apostle Paul even before you came in today? Anybody? Yeah, right. Paul is one of the most important figures in history. Paul uh, is a, a man who knew change. At the very beginning of his journey, where we find Paul, we find him as a persecutors of Christ, a persecutor of Christ followers. He's giving, uh, he's giving a nod of approval to their death. He's hunting them down. He's given money to put these uh, Christians or these followers of Christ in jail. And then something happens to Paul transforms his life. He's never the same way again. Not only is he, does he stop becoming a persecutor of Christians, 
but he comes, becomes a follower of Christ, changing the face of history. It's radical. And the same God that changed Paul's heart is the same God that can change yours. So we're going to look at it. Now, here's the deal. Okay, when we do series in this church, I wish you would believe me. I wish you would believe me. That when we do series in this church, what they are are packages that need to be seen together in order for you to get the whole message. So what we do is we give you one piece, and then next week we'll give you another piece, and then the next week we'll give you another piece, and the next week we'll give you another piece. That's how it works. And when you put the pieces together, you go, oh, so that's how change occurs. So that's what change looks like. Here's the problem. Many of us will decide we're not, we don't want to come to next week's service. You know why? Because laundry is really, really important. So here's what I'm going to suggest. I'm going to suggest, would you just make a commitment not to do your laundry, your shopping? Would you make a commitment that if they have a sale, that you'll, you'll just do the like 8 in the morning, 9 in the clock in the morning sale, and then come to the 12 o'clock service? I told the 10 o'clock not to do anything in the morning. You guys, you have the mornings free. Do whatever you like. But here's what I'm trying to say to you. You do not want to miss a service. And you go, oh, it's okay. I'll just fax my attendance in. I'm going to, I'll just, I'll listen to it on podcast. Listen to me. Whenever you listen, podcasts and things like that, they're great for people who have never come to church. That's wonderful. And they're also great for reminders of what you've experienced here as a congregation. But there's something powerful. When you bring the church into this building, there's something powerful that God does in the midst of our congregating together. And I'm telling you, when you're driving in your car, it's not the same deal. Like for review, it's wonderful. But for like the first, it's, God wants to speak to your heart. So would you just make that commitment? Okay, I'll do the compra on Saturday, on, on, on whatever I'm going to do. I'm not going to do the shopping. I'm not going to do the laundry. I'm not going to do any of that stuff. I'm going to actually carve out this time. Would you carve out the time? Are you going to do that? <laughs> you bunch of... Okay. All right. All right. We're going to just move on then, okay? You bunch of dirty rottens. Okay. So we're going to see. We're going we're gonna to ask that God speak to us in a powerful way. And here's the question that we want to wrestle with for this week. We want to wrestle with. What if what I thought about change changed? What if the way I view changed changed? What if change wasn't about the externals that were out here, but change is something far, far more profound? What if change wasn't about dropping the cigarette or picking up the Bible? Wasn't, what if change wasn't about being nicer and not being neater? What if change wasn't about uh, turning from my wicked ways or whatever it is you think about when you think about change? What if change wasn't that? What if change, what if what I thought about change changed? Paul, we're going to see, starts speaking to what real change looks like. But he starts with the problem. And here's the deal. You're going to go today, you're going to go, gosh, I don't feel so good about this church service thing. This is like not the happiest sermon I've ever preached, right? And, and you're going to wonder, but where's the solution? Well, the solution is, is within next week, the week after, and the week after that. But I promise you, I'm not going to be saying anything to try to hurt your feelings purposefully or anything like that. I'm just going to let God's word speak. And I really want to see transformation happen in your life. And believe me, your loved ones do too. So 
We're going to read God's word, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray and ask God for a special, powerful blessing of insight within his word for you, the person sitting in your seat, so that you would just receive what God is trying to give to you right now, okay? So I'm going to pray for you, and then we'll stand for the reading of God's word, but let me pray for you first. Father, I thank you for this opportunity that we might be able to get together and hear your word. And right now, as we are readying our hearts to read your word, would you, Lord, Lord, some of us in this room are absolutely brokenhearted over what's transpired this week. There's so much pain, so much regret, so much hurt. Lord, would you use your word to speak into our souls, to draw us to yourself, to help us to know that you are still with us. Help those here with loss to heal and grieve, those here with regret to draw to yourself, those here who are walking around with a, a tsunami of shame overwhelming them. Would you help them to experience grace? Would you make that a true reality, a true truth for all of us here? For we pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Would you stand with me as we read God's word? We're going to be reading from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 24. On a count of three, we'll read together. One, two, three. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in Him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus... You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to be put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. This is God's Word. Please have a seat. Okay, guys, I want you to put your thinking caps on. We're, we're going to read right now again, and we're going to sort of walk through closely. Is unbelievably powerful, but very, very intense. So put your thinking caps on, okay? Would you do that with me? Okay, everybody, put your thinking caps on. We're going to actually do it. Okay, there we go. Only like four of you did it. Okay, we're going to try it again. All right, all right, here we go. On the count of three, even you rebellious folks, okay, with the nice hair. Okay, put your thinking hats on. Okay, put your thinking caps on. Here we go. Okay, so here we go, here we go. So I tell you this, okay, so you know, 
when Paul says, so let me tell you something. Pay attention. But if Paul says, so I tell you this and insist, then I really, really, really want you to pay attention. Because this is Paul. Paul, one of the most, inf- one of the most powerful figures in all of history. But if that guy says, so I tell you this and insist it in the Lord, then good night. Drop everything. Put real focus on. Paul is emphasizing over and over and over again that what I'm about to tell you is really important. That what you're going to, listen, that your response to what I'm about to teach you is going to affect a great deal of your life. That the rest of your life is going to be affected about how you respond to this statement. Paul is saying, so I insist. So I insist. Uh, So Paul is saying, so I tell you this. So I tell you this in the Lord. So I tell you this and insist in the Lord. Paul is trying to get a point across. And here it is. Are you ready? Listen, 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 he's saying. Listen, listen, listen. Guys, don't lose this. Don't lose this. Listen, listen, listen. Here it is. That you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. Whoa. That you must no longer. There's this thing called Gentiles somewhere over here, and you must not live like them. Okay. I wonder if I live like one of them. I don't know, because I don't know if I'm a Gentile. Well, if you're wondering, if you're a Gentile, if you're not Jewish, you're a Gentile. That's, that's basically in Paul's mind. If you're not Jewish, you're a Gentile. Here's the problem. Paul is speaking to Gentiles. Like he calls them that in chapter 3. And you Gentiles. He says it again in chapter 2. He knows he's speaking to Gentiles. They know they're Gentiles. So what is he doing? Asking them not to behave, not to, or rather, not to no longer live as Gentiles. Well, here's the deal. The deal is, is that there's a way that you could live that is a part of your culture that seems perfectly fine, but that is absolutely antithetical to God's best for your life. It's absolutely opposite to God's best for your life. Don't live like that. Don't live as the Gentiles do. Don't live as your culture raised you to live. And your culture is fine. I mean, if you grew up in a Jewish culture or a Puerto Rican culture, if you grew up in a black culture or a white culture, an Asian culture, listen, whatever culture you grew up in is fine. Here's what I'm saying. Paul is saying, don't let that be. Don't let that, don't live as the Gentiles do. And then he gets very specific. He says this, in the futility of their thinking. So there's a kind of thinking. There's a kind of way of processing life. There's a kind of way of looking at the way we live as being the opposite of God wants in your life. Listen to me. I wish somebody would have told me this when I was young. Oh my. Oh, the pain that I could have avoided. The heartache that I could have avoided causing. Don't live. Don't live like the Gentiles do. If Paul was writing the letter to this church, he goes, listen, don't live as the Americans do. For some of you, he would say, don't live as the rest of the people in recovery do. For others of you, he would say, don't live as the rest of the the neighborhood does. He's saying something profound, that there is something by which we could live that is the opposite 
of God's best. Now he gives a description. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God. Okay. Now, if you're here, this is a great moment for a timeout, a commercial break, okay? If you're here and you're new, or this is your first time here, this passage could be very, very offensive. And I get that. I get that. I wasn't raised in a Christian church. Um, I got offended about just about any, everything within the realm of Christianity. I wanted nothing to do with Jesus, which makes it, I mean, the fact that I'm here speaking to you about Jesus is an absolute miracle. If you need to see miracles, like I'm, I'm talking to you, man. I'm, uh, it, it, God has changed my heart. I, I did not grow up thinking this way or feeling this way or wanting this, any of this stuff to be true. So if you're here and you're new and you're, you're coming around, you're just checking the Christian tires, what I want to tell you is, is that Paul is going to speak to very profound things within our life that you don't normally look at, that you don't normally consider. And at first glance, it's offensive. But if you could just kind of be just... Okay, so what I'm asking is, is if you would be merciful and make all of your judgments at the end of the talk, rather than at the front end of the talk, I think that you'll get a lot out of this. And here's what I know. I know that God's word is more powerful and true than I can communicate. And so don't get distracted with me. I know, and I, I, I'm begging God not to be a distraction to you. But I want to point you to God's word. So would you just, would you do that? I know I, I don't have the right to ask you, especially if you're first time, I don't have the right to ask you that, but I'm asking anyway. Please, open your mind to what the scriptures are about to say. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God. Those who are Gentiles, those who have no faith in Christ, Paul says, darkened, separated. Whoa. And so at that point, you go, what do you mean darkened and separated? I'm glad, I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that because I'm going to tell you. Darkened meaning you do not open your eyes to the light of God's truth. That's not saying necessarily that you don't do kind things or, or that you don't help people or that you're not nice to your neighbor or that you don't talk good to the people around you and that you're not more forgiving and loving than I am. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you're darkened, that the truths that are found in God's word, the truths that God's spirit would explain to you, you're blind to. You're darkened to it. And you're separated from the life of God. Now, this is big. You know it's possible to come to this. And I, didn't, I can't believe that you can come to this church and, and this be true. But do you know that you could come to a community like this? You could bring the church into this room every Sunday. And you know you could live like the devil? You know the... And the only... Okay. Focus. Don't anybody laugh too hard because you, be, you might be giving yourself away. All right, listen to me. This is big. What I mean by that is that it's possible for you to be, take part in the community of Christ and live a life separated from God. In other words, God is not at the core of the decision process of your life. Something else is. There's another God running that show. God is not at the core of how you behave, respond, think, feel, react, pursue. 
God is not at the core of your ambitions. God is not at the core of your desires. God is not at the core of any of that stuff. You're simply separated from the life of God. Paul says, I don't want you to live like that. I don't want you to live blinded to the truth of God's word, and I don't want you to live stiff-arming God. It doesn't end well, for you don't live like that. And here's why. Because. Somebody say because. Does anybody remember um, uh, Schoolhouse Rock? Anybody remember? Okay, do you remember? Conjunction, junction, what's your function? Does anybody remember that? Nobody remembers that. Oh my gosh, I'm the only kid who grew up in the 70s and the 80s. Okay, right. Okay, so conjunction, junction. It had all the, remember the, the, the thing of the song? Look it up again. And it's all of these little tiny words that connect other words, right? And, because, if, as, although, therefore. These are all conjunctions, right? Okay, now watch this. Paul is connecting two thoughts. He's saying, you're darkened, you're separated, because here's why. Let me tell you why. Let me explain to you, you. Because of the ignorance that is in them. Remember when I said, try not to be offended about what I was saying? This is the part I was talking about. Because of the ignorance that is in them. Now, just to be clear, ignorance does not mean stupidity. Ignorance simply means not knowing. Like, I am ignorant about thermodynamics. I just don't understand thermodynamics. I'm ignorant about engineering. I don't know engineering. Ignorance has to do with not knowing. So let's read it again with that mindset. Because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Think about this for a second. This is powerful. This hardening of the hearts happens, and now they don't know. What don't they know? Connected with the life of God. Do you remember? So Paul is saying that there are a group of people who live blind and separated from God because they've hardened their hearts. They've hardened their hearts. And now, they can't even hear him. They're ignorant. They don't know what God wants. Unbelievable. Now, have you ever, how many people here um, are like me, a sort of like introverted, don't like to be invited to parties and things like that? Is anybody else here like that? I'm like that, right? I don't like to be. But how many of you really get offended when people don't invite you to the party, right? (laughs) Right, and you don't like to go. Right? Here's what happened. Here's what happened. Let me explain to you, you. What happened is, is that you told those people no enough times that they don't invite you to the party anymore. Right? That's, does that make sense? Okay. You know you can do that with God? You can tell God no so many times that it's not even like, it doesn't even come up anymore. Like the first time, think about this, right? The first time, the first time you had a beer, or the first time you had a joint or a cigarette, 
If you're young and you don't understand what I'm talking about, just totally let this one slide past you because I'm looking at you little kids. I love you. Don't, don't focus on what I'm saying. I'm talking to you old, old people. Okay, now listen to me. The first time that you did this, the first time you did this, you thought the whole sky was going to fall in on you. I remember, <laughs> I can tell you a story, but Ray's there, so I won't do it. Um, the, okay, so, so, needless to say, I had panic moments the first time. I did something really, really bad, right? You know why? Because you're tender-hearted. Your heart is soft. And so the first time you do that stuff, you're popping mints, you're putting perfume on, you don't want to smell like, you know, you don't want to smell like you had the drink or you had the smoke. And, but listen to me. If you do that, if you do that for four or five years, what happens? Good night. You start coming home with the joint in your hand. Right? You start coming home with the beer in your hand. You know why? You hardened your heart. You hardened your heart. For those of you who lived a life of promiscuity, what happened the very first time you were with someone? You remember their name, what they were wearing. Their, you remember where you were. You remember how you felt. You remember everything. What happened when you get to number 23? Like number 23. You're like, Cisco, Samuel, Susie, I don't know what their name was. You can't remember what they were wearing. Was it in the Palladium? Was it in the, was it in the limelight? Which, you know, only you older people, all right? I'm trying to connect with you older folks, right? You older, you younger people don't know. And I don't even know what clubs are cool now, so I won't even try. But here's my point. My point is, my point is, is that the more you disobey God, the more easier it is to disobey God. The more you disobey God, the more effortless it is, the more hard your heart becomes. Paul, let's get back to Paul because he's saying something powerful. Paul is saying they're darkened, they're separated. Why? Because they hardened their hearts and now they can't even know what God is saying to them. For some of you, that's the right there. That's the reason for you. You, because remember, Paul is talking to the Christian community. He's talking to the believers in Ephesians, in, in Ephesus. And here's your story. You, good night, I don't know what your story is, right? You grew up in the church, you didn't grow up in the church. You, you came and you were a part of Recovery House of Worship for three years, and then you left for three years. I don't know what your story is. But your story is something like this. You were somehow exposed to the word of God and it was moving and stirring and you found an affection for Jesus that started to grow. Then that thing, that thing, you know what I'm talking about when I say that thing, right? That thing, your flavor showed up. You started to pursue your flavor and now you can't even hear God's voice. Now you can't even you don't know. You're ignorant of what God's will is for your life. Paul is saying, listen to me. I just took the long way around the barn, and I'm trying to describe to you two sentences. Don't be like the Gentiles. Don't do that. Don't go in that direction, because it'll only wind up in darkness and pain. Having lost all sensitivity... Since what I just said about them, Paul is saying, since what I just said about them, that they're ignorant and they're ignorant to what God wants them to do, 
having lost all sensitivity, here's their solution. They have given themselves over to sensuality. Since God is not the love of their life, they fall into the arms of another love. I don't know what your love is. Is it money? Is it food? Is it sex? Is it pornography? Is it bitterness? I don't know what your thing is. You know what your thing is. Or maybe you don't. Maybe someone who loves you needs to tell you what your thing is. But here's the deal. You have a thing. And when you run from Christ, you have to get full on something other than Christ. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. Here's the point. Paul is saying they pursue sin with greediness. Have you ever been greedy for sin? Have you ever found yourself pursuing sin in a way that is insatiable, that cannot be satisfied? Have you ever found yourself pursuing the next one? But I mean with an abandon and an inability to stop yourself. This is what Paul is saying. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. And that is as far as we can go today. I know. I know, it leaves you frustrated. It left me frustrated too. Because we're just finding out the problem. But here's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying that you have a God that is not Jesus. And if you live like everyone else, you will pursue that God to your destruction. And there's no good news. If you live like this, death! So I want to help us throughout this week to try to see if we could get a little bit deeper than just a cigarette and the five pounds that we think we need to lose. Okay? So we just, we're done. That's what the Word of God says. Don't live like that. Don't live that. And you go, but I don't have, what should I do? I know, you got to come for next week. You go, but but how should I, but what should I, how should I behave as a response to this? I I can't tell you. It's, it's, It's in here. It's in here, and we're going to get to it. But right now, Paul is saying, listen to me. Don't live like that. You go, I don't have the power. I don't have the ability. I don't have the, I know. I know you don't. Believe me, I know you don't. I know I don't. But let me just, we pursue sin till it becomes our identity. We pursue sin till it becomes how we define ourselves. We pursue sin till it breaks and destroys us and everyone around us. And there's no good news in that. There's no gospel in that. There's just death and tears and heartache. There's regret and pain. So I just, so I'm just going to throw out four gods that you might not be thinking about, that you may be running to, that God wants you not to run to. Four lords that lead your life. And I'm just going to go over them quick, okay? Just somebody say quick. I got to do it fast. The first lord, and I'm just going to just talk about it briefly, power. 
Power is a God that we run to. When Jesus is not our God, power is our God. And if you're not sure if power is your God, just ask yourself if you're a gossip. Because those who gossip, what they do is they have power. They have information. They have this, and what they do is that they give that information. It makes them the focal point of attention, and it gives them power within relationship. They have secrets about this person that they're telling this person, but make sure you don't tell them what do they have. They have power. Now, there's more to power than that, but just a brief example. Some of us run to a God called power. Others of us run to a God called control. Now, I know that nobody here runs to that one. I'm sorry for bringing that up. I know we'll just go through it really quickly. But control. And what we do, listen to me, what we do is we manipulate. We, man, you threaten. You withhold. Right? So, right, if you're a guy, typically, you threaten and you intimidate. If you're a girl, within a marriage, I'm thinking, I'm thinking in terms of a marriage. Um, if you're a woman, typically, not in all situations. If your situation is the uh, exception to the rule, that's fine. But if, if you're a guy, you try to intimidate and you try to, um, uh, you try to threaten. If you're a girl, what you do is you withhold and you ice up because you're trying to control. You want, oh, you're not going to behave the way I want you to behave? Oh, I can fix that in a minute. You know what you're doing? You're not trying to see the gospel lived out in their lives. You're trying to control. You could do it by nagging. You could do it by, you could do it by being insensitive. You could do it by threatening. You could do it by, you could do it, listen, you could do it by bribing. You could do it by control. The next God that we run to, uh, we, we talked about power. We talked about um, control. The next God we'll run to is comfort comfort. Now listen to me. Listen to me. This God will rob you of your best years with your family. This God will rob you from relationships that are deep. Here's what happens. People come home and they go in front of their TV and they watch. Ah, listen, you know, keep your TV, don't keep your... I'm not saying anything about TV. I'm talking, or maybe you click in front of your computer, or maybe you veg out uh, with your friends. I don't know. But your life is lived for your comfort. You go, I don't even know why I did that. I do, because your God is comfort, and you'll run over anybody who tries to destroy your comfort. How did the marriage fall apart? I know you were worshiping your God comfort, and they stopped. Listen, comfort. We pursue our own comfort. There's, and one last God we'll look to, it's pleasure. We run to the God called pleasure. And we pursue this God. Listen, we'll do anything. Just tell me I'm beautiful. I'll give you all of me. Just tell me. Listen, just say that you'll love me forever and I'll go into debt because I'm looking for pleasure running to pleasure. And so some of you ladies have totally compromised your morality for the sake of pleasure. And some of you men have totally undermined your manhood for the sake of pleasure. And God says, don't live like that. Would you? Don't live like that. Now here's the thing. You can't do it. I could tell you not to do it. You could make a resolution not to do it. You can't do it. How do you do it? 
The short answer is Jesus. If you want to know how that plays out in your life, you got to come. you got to come to these next few weeks. I encourage you to come. Now, yeah, no, that's it. That's it. For some of us this week, we're just going to have to say, God, would you change the way I look at change? Would you change the way I look at change? And would you help me to look at Jesus? Let's pray. Lord, I, your word is so powerful. It's like a double-edged sword. It cuts going in and cuts going out. Lord, I know in my own soul how easy it is for me to run to comfort or control, power or pleasure. Lord, some of us, some of us are living for those gods. The reason that we ran to Jesus is because we just wanted to control our spouse. And so we're willing to go to God to give us our true God control. Lord, the reason that some of us want to change is to satisfy our gods. Would you change that in our soul? Would you give us a heart of repentance, a heart that's ready to hear from Christ? Would you help us in this new series to open up our hearts to change what we think about change? And Lord, would you help us to be resting in Christ in all that we say and do? We thank you, O oh God, for your love. We thank you for your word that convicts. We ask that you would help us to give us wisdom to know what to do with what we heard, even if it's just tears of regret. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen.